God morning, listeners. God morning. This is Pray With Me. Let's get these blessings started. This is a daily podcast, and we are special and unique. Don't want to be like anybody else. Don't want to pray like anybody else. I don't even want to learn like anybody else. God has made us special and unique. And so as individuals on our journey to walk in God's way, we're just gonna tap into our special and unique. Let us pray. I'm dedicating today's podcast to a woman named Miss Eileen. Now it's very interesting because Miss Eileen is 95 years old and I've probably known her about 20 years. The interesting thing is she doesn't remember knowing me that far back. She just has brought me into recent memory. But throughout the years, I actually have seen Miss Eileen change. When you go into her home, you see these beautiful pictures of her young and blonde and vibrant and just the toast of the town. Well, Miss Eileen went on to have four husbands, four. And she told me that she was the fourth wife of her third husband. Now that's a lot of marrying going on. She gave birth to three daughters and she had a daughter by each husband except her first one. So what an interesting life. And she said each divorce was severely worse than the other. But can you believe or can you imagine the divide that was in her family? The daughters had sisters but they didn't share the same father. They had a little bit of their mother, but their mother was busy collecting husbands, maybe. It's just an interesting scenario. But anyway, apparently over the years, Miss Eileen grew to be mean and bitter and vindictive and selfish and revengeful and You know, when you have to go in the court and fight and bleed for everything in a divorce settlement, it hardens you. So anyway, here's Miss Eileen, 95 years old. And I tell you, listeners, she doesn't have a tooth in her mouth. Her vision has really gone. Her hearing is out the window pretty much. 
and she has a hunch back. Now, Miss Eileen is in a humbled state and I talked to her last night in person and all she talked about were the regrets that she had. If I coulda, woulda, shoulda, etc., etc. And she did finish with saying, you reap what you sow in life. Let us ponder that for a minute. And Miss Eileen, this is a shout out to you today, dedicating the podcast to you. You may want to listen. You may not be able to hear it. But I hope that God's spirit somehow lets you know that you were the topic of discussion. Amen. We'll be right back. We're going to open up Charles Stanley's Bible principles and get some wisdom. Stay right there. When we go to the Lord in prayer, we must be willing to hear what he says. Often we don't stop to listen to him. We must learn to wait to hear his response when we voice our petitions. This is especially true when we pray in the aftermath of a setback or defeat. It is also vitally important when we are tempted to blame God or become angry over our troubles. We must be willing to accept his assessment of our situation which often includes him correcting an ungodly behavior or attitude within us. Once the Lord reveals to us what we need to do, nothing more needs to be said. We must accept God's will and immediately move to obey him. Our obedience may include asking him to forgive us and to help us to obey him in the future. It may also require that we make amends or take specific actions that will help right the wrong. Whatever the case, our submission to his direction must follow quickly. Amen. Today's topic, life principle number six. You reap what you sow, more than you sow, and later than you sow. Today is the father of tomorrow. What we are today is a result of what we've been thinking and the way we have lived in the past. Those who act wisely today will have wisdom in the future to make wise decisions. 
The same is true when we come to the subject of finances. Those who save wisely today will have plenty tomorrow. Those who spend everything they have today will have little or nothing in the future. It is a short-sighted person who thinks only of the now, doing as little as possible for on payday. He will have no way to avoid the poor quality and the small quantity of his rewards. The nation of Israel had to learn this in a very personal way. Their waywardness and failure to do what God instructed them to do often placed them in a position where they would not have his blessings. The Lord gives principles in scripture to serve as warnings and as an encouragement. His word states, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And this is an unalterable law that affects everyone in every area of life, family, work, and pleasure. Every farmer understands the meaning of this principle. We weep, we weep, we reap what we sow more than we sow and later than we sow. Let's look at each part of the principle to make sure that we understand its full implications. Okay, let's do it. Number one, the principle applies to everyone, both Christians and non-Christians. This principle is irrevocable. There is no escape either for the believer or for the unbeliever because it is a law of life. Did you notice how Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 begins? It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Herein lies the root cause of the careless and indulgent lifestyle of many people. They are deceived. They either do not believe the truth or they think that they will somehow be the exceptions to God's laws. To mock God is to turn up one's nose to him. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 reveals, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. If you were required to appear before the judgment seat of Christ in the next five minutes, listeners, what kind of crops, seriously, would you be able to show? Number two, we reap what we sow. The fact that we reap what we sow is good news for those who sow good habits, but a frightening thought for those currently involved in ungodly activities such as promiscuity, drug and alcohol abuse, neglect of family, 
or mistreatment of others in order to climb the ladder of success. We cannot sow crabgrass and expect to reap pineapples. We cannot sow disobedience to God and expect to reap his blessing. What we sow, listeners, we reap. Let us not deceive ourselves. We will reap the harvest of our lives. Number three, we reap more than we sow. Why do farmers plant their seed? Because they expect to harvest a great deal more than they sow. A single seed that sprouts can yield dozens, scores, even hundreds of other seeds. It is the same way with both sin and righteousness. A small decision to either do good or bad reaps a much bigger crop for either joy in our life or sorrow. Jesus used the picture of a sprouting seed to show that when we allow God's word to produce good things in us, the results multiply. He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. On the other side of the ledger, the prophet Hosea Hosea describes what awaits those who choose to sow seeds of wickedness. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Some crops we reap quickly. Others take a long time. We reap later than we sow. Some people are deceived because their present seed does not appear to be producing an immediate crop. So they continue down their course, mistakenly believing that there will never be a harvest. But unlike the crops of the field, which get harvested at approximately the same time each year, there is no regular timetable for the harvest of life. Some crops we reap quickly, others take a long time. But do not be deceived, their season will come. And by going the second mile now and giving more than is required, we will reap rich dividends later. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What a comforting and assuring thought to those who faithfully labor under difficult circumstances. Faithfulness in such situations will produce a rich harvest in the future for our Heavenly Father always keeps His promises. Amen. Stay right there, listeners. We'll be right back. We're planting seeds. 
we're planting seeds. From trusting God day by day, they quote Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Give God your all. The tiny word all is used 5,675 times in the Bible, give or take a few depending on which translation you're reading, but it is a small word that means a great deal, and yet we pay so little attention to it. Listeners, if we read a scripture that has the word all in it, and ignore the all, it changes the entire context of the scripture. The word all takes us into infinity. All does not stop. It goes really far and it does include all. Jesus is the Lord of all. Our almighty God, all-sufficient Savior, all blessings flow from him, and he is all we need. We frequently say that God is our all, but have we ever stopped to truly understand the impact of that little word? Do you know that all leaves nothing outside of God's control? God knows all things. Don't miss the all in that statement. He knows the end from the beginning, so he must know everything in the middle. He also has all power, all authority, all things are under his feet, and he fills everything everywhere with himself. He sees all, he hears all, and is everywhere all the time. If these things are true, listeners, then why do we still worry and become anxious about anything? Why do we get emotionally upset when we have a problem or things are not going our way, it has to be because we truly don't believe that he has all power. That he knows all things. And that he loves us with all of the love that exists in the universe. He forgives our sins. And most of all, the Bible says that he forgives them all and he continually cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is one of those all and forever now things. 
God did not put our sins off to the side so that he could glance over at them occasionally. No. He removed them completely. Trust in him. All leaves nothing outside of God's control. So turn all your problems and all your worries over to him. Give him your all and you can trust that he will be your all in all. Amen. I'm preaching today. <laughs> I feel it. He can be your all in all. How you like that? And we know that there's nothing that God can't handle. You're seeing this theme. This month is pounding in these messages. Mark chapter 10 verse 27 says, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Uh-oh, there goes that word all again. Before we let go and let God be our all in all, we usually have to find out the hard way that we can't do it all on our own. The hard way means that we keep trying and failing over and over until we admit total dependence on God. It can be a long and painful journey and some people never reach the end of themselves, but for those who do, those of us who do, I'm raising my hand. Raise your hand. It is the beginning of living with their soul at rest. They know they can't do it all, but they also know that God can. And they decide that watching him do what he needs to be done as only he can do is amazing. We should love to watch God work. It is one of the greatest pleasures of life. Amen. Love it. Gotta trust God every day. You know, we have to enjoy life every day. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18 says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is for one to eat and drink and to find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun all the days which God gives him. For this is his allotted part. Also, every man to whom God has given riches and possessions and the power to enjoy them and to accept his appointed lot and to rejoice in his toil, well, this is the gift of God to him. Listeners, I want you to notice the words allotted 
and appointed. When King Solomon is basically communicating is this message. Enjoy your life. Take your appointed lot in life and enjoy it. In other words, embrace the life, the personality, the strengths and the weaknesses, the family, the resources, the opportunities, the physical qualities, the gifts, the abilities, the uniqueness that God has given you. The only life that you can enjoy is your own. And that statement may seem so obvious that it's necessary <laughs> to not even think about it. But one of the primary reasons many people do not enjoy their lives is because they're not happy with the lives they have. And when I and when we speak about enjoying their lives, the first thing that they often have is the desire to enjoy the life that someone else has. Instead of embracing the realities of their lives, these people spend time thinking, I wish I looked like so-and-so, or I wish I had so-and-so's job. Oh, I wish I were married. I wish my marriage weren't so difficult. I wish I had children. I wish my children would grow up. Oh, I wish I had a new house. Oh, I wish I didn't have such a big house to clean. I wish I had a big ministry. Listeners, the truth of the matter is the first step to enjoying our everyday lives is to be grateful for the lives that we've been given, special and unique. We must not allow jealousy to cause us to be absent from our own lives because we want what someone else has. No. You have to take what you have and you have to decide that you're going to do the best that you can with it. Trust in him. God is asking you to be faithful with your life, not with anyone else's. Trust that God knew what he was doing when he gave you your life. Amen. Oh, listeners, enjoy the special and unique life that you have been given. I'm going to let you ponder on that thought and remember, you don't want to be like anybody else. You just want to come back tomorrow and pray with me so that we can get these blessings started.
Have a fabulous day. Bye for now. Thank you.